I used to chase money a lot. Like, oh, how do I make money? Maybe this will make us money. Maybe this will make some money. And that was good because I like learned skills about how to make money. But the things that actually paid off, none of those really paid off with a big dollar amount. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I can be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. All right, before we actually get into the content, um, a few things. We've been making a ton of changes to this podcast. The numbers are working. I think the last month was our highest ever, right, Abreu? I believe so, yeah. So oh, I, th- tra- I think we should start saying the numbers. I think we should start saying the numbers. I think we should say what it is, say what we're going to do, and say what happens, so whether it works or it doesn't. Yeah, so the trailing 30 days was, I think, 350,000 listens, um, which if it's not the highest ever, it's one of, like top right. one or two. But the trajectory is is really what matters, and that is great. So we're getting around an average episode, I think, is 20,000 downloads an episode, which is, I think, a 60% increase from the year before. Is that right, Abreu? Am I, am I getting all these? Yes. Yeah, so 22 they- to 23,000. Right. Uh, said. Yeah, so, 20, so let's say we're at 22,000. Uh, it, it used to be 15. Of course, it used to be zero. So, you know, whatever. It's growing. And our goal is 100,000 per episode. One Rose Bowl stadium per episode is what I want to be doing, something like that. And uh, so we're not far. 4X is, you know, it's not far. I think naturally that would happen in a couple of years. And what we're going to do is just accelerate it so it happens in one. Yeah, I feel quite confident that if we do the same thing, but more, it would happen with time. But I don't right. want to do that. I'm impatient. I want it to happen immediately. So uh, the changes we've made is we prepared more for every podcast, which I think is very clearly working. Yes. We now have these videos going, um, which I also think is clearly working and that it makes me feel good. Is it driving <laughs> downloads? I don't actually... I'm not convinced, but... It's worth it. I well, think. You know what it does do is there's a whole group of people that like either a just don't listen to podcasts or don't listen much. So they're like kind of like otherwise they would only hop in once in a while. They didn't build a habit with us and they follow just through the clip. So there's actually just like another audience that's like, oh, good. I watch those clips every time because they're good. And I always get oh, messages sh- about I them. Am, yeah. And I'm in that category as well. I've never I don't think I've ever listened to a Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast, but I watch a lot of clips. Right. Um, and, uh, we're putting our clips on YouTube, which is not working. That is not working well at all for us. Right. Um, it can maybe the, we're putting the full episodes on and a handful have 20 to 30,000 views, maybe even more. A couple of them have a few more that's working, but the clips are not working. And then we're doing email blasts and the hustle. I think that started two weeks ago. That is working. we, We should, we should rewind. We should basically say we had a meeting. Which was like, uh, I don't know, a week ago, maybe something like that. And it was like, oh, okay, we got all these ideas. Basically, I had thrown a few ideas. You had a few ideas. Abreu had a few ideas. My buddy Ben had a few ideas. We were like, oh, yeah, great. All these sound good. So, like, who's going to do them? And then we kind of had this like come to Jesus moment where it was like, look, in Sam, we trust. Like, if, and we can't, we can't outsource this to somebody else who doesn't really. I don't want to say doesn't care, but like it's a different thing when it's your baby, it's your show. You are getting the like, the more people who listen to this, the cooler opportunities we get, the the better yeah. DMs we get every morning. And so, like, clearly it matters more to us than it would be for even if it was somebody's full time job. And uh, the second thing is like your skill level is super high, right? Like, we saw you grow the hustle. I saw you grow the hustle. A lot of people who were subscribers saw you grow the hustle, saw you grow trends from scratch, and saw you sell the thing. And it's like, so I got excited because I was like, I'm going to get to see Sam in action even closer than I did with the hustle where like you would send a monthly update. Now I'm seeing how you actually operate and it's pretty dope. And I actually think the listeners will like to see how you operate, how you approach growing a thing. And uh, that, I think that'll be exciting. That's a lot of pressure. Thank you for the compliments. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. I, I will say, I think growing the podcast has been, I mean, that's actually one of the harder things I've done. Yeah. But, uh, HubSpot owns us now. It's not my money. Like it's their money. And, and, and so we're in a totally, I mean, we're, I, our owner, you know, the company, this company now does a billion a year in revenue. There's like a billion plus in cash in the bank account. Like, yeah. so we could actually, it, so we're going to have a lot more resources. I actually am not convinced that that's actually going to help us grow though. Yeah. I don't think resources helps you grow, but I think I, I would say like, that wasn't the problem before. Uh, yeah. It can be helpful, but that wasn't necessarily the problem. Uh, and then, so what we're doing now is uh, we don't have ads in the email anymore. So in the hustle, we do zero advertisements and the podcast is going in every day now. Um, 
or not every day, but uh, a lot. And then also what we are launching at HubSpot and The Hustle is we're creating this thing. Well, I actually don't know if I could say too much about it, but there's going to be a lot more podcasts. And amongst those podcasts, we can promote one another. And that's what you're going to hear. So right. whoever is in our pod, our podcast crew, we're going to promote them, them, us, yada, yada, yada. And I actually think that's going to help a ton. I think that... Um, I actually don't think I could talk any... I, I don't it's pretty dope can... who's in that, but we'll we'll say it later when you can. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. So, okay, can I give the audience the five ideas that we had brainstormed that were like, oh, okay. Once Thing one was like, let's put Sam in charge of it because Sam knows how to grow shit. That was step one. Step two, okay, so what are the like, how would you grow a podcast if you're going to grow a podcast? So we said, I'm going to just rattle off the ideas. Number one, big name guests that actually have an overlapping audience. So people like Chamath, people like Tim Ferriss, uh, not just like a famous person who, like, for example, we had Jake Paul on, uh, super famous, but his audience and our audience not going to have a huge amount of overlap where it's not necessarily that his fans would would connect with us and become long, you know ongoing subscribers. Um, okay, the other one was paid. C- can you advertise to grow a podcast, right? Like running some experiments on, take a few thousand bucks, run it on a paid campaign and see, can you grow through through paid? I think we'll find out Which if that's interesting. we're doing. So we bought ads in... Uh, Player FM, Abreu, is that what we did? Yep. Yep. And then um, we're buying ads and a few more. I have a few more that we're buying ads. Did that work, uh, Abreu, Player FM? It's hard to tell because they claim a lot of their views come from desktop listeners, um, which doesn't necessarily get measured according to them. Um, yeah. so okay. It's, well, yeah. that's, oh, that's like saying, like, thank oh. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like saying, like, no, look, the it's like this is like selling like CBD treats for dogs. Like, does it work? <laughs> right. Can't ask your dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like the greatest business ever. It's like selling vitamin B for your puppy. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So I would say if it's hard to tell, it didn't work. <laughs> it's a very obvious yeah. way to think about it. Um, okay. Another one. Go on other people's podcasts. So. Do a, do a tour going on other people's pods. They already have an audience. Those people listen. They say, oh, man, what a great guy. I'd love to listen to more of this person. They were interesting. Boom. Get some people from there. Clips. Uh, people have seen we tripled down on clips. We found awesome clip makers. We're making fuck ton of clips, and we're going to post the shit out of them. So I think that's a good, good strategy. Um, there's the And then the last one that I thought was kind of an interesting one was like, get sharper on the branding. So if you want to grow a product, the sharper the hook of what is the product uh, you the better chance you have to grow because it'll be more clear. It'll um, resonate with more people. And so being able to describe it well, as well as uh, just being like on brand all the time about like what this is and what you get out of it if you listen to it. I think that's what, an area that honestly we're kind of shitty at, which is ironic because I think we're pretty good at it with our startups, but we're pretty bad at it with the podcast. Like the name doesn't really make much sense. Um, <laughs> the description, I don't know. We don't have like, we don't do an intro when you join to like, be like, oh, this is the podcast where XYZ happens. We don't yeah. have like a, a highlight reel of like, you know, start here. If you're, if you're new to the pod, like go here. This is the onboarding well, episode, you know? Basically, in a sense, it kind of succeeds a little bit in spite of itself. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of people say the name doesn't really matter. Or sorry, the name doesn't reflect it. And I'm, in my opinion towards just names is it doesn't, your name really like it rarely will it hurt you in some occasions it actually could help you i think coinbase is like the perfect name ever right but uh even if if coinbase was called like uh uh blue sky uh sunglasses i'm just looking i'm just making shit up that i'm looking at um it would work (laughs) blue sky uh like it will work it would have worked uh okay so uh should we move on to coinbase actually let's move on to coinbase so coinbase went public today and it's Everything about it is astounding. Right. Um, so where, where do you want to start? I can read off some of the kind of the numbers of like just how big is that business? And then we can talk about the returns of this inve- of the of the investment. So how big is the business? So Coinbase came out. They're public now. So now they released their numbers. Their Q1 numbers came out. 56 million users. Um, 6 million monthly active users, which is 
I think more than E-Trade had, uh, you know, like total, I think E-Trade had like 3 million, uh, like tra- trader accounts or whatever. And so th- this is kind of amazing to me that there was more people on Coinbase. Um, Coinbase makes up 11% of the crypto asset market in terms of how many assets are stored on crypto, crypto uh, on Coinbase. 335 billion in trading volume. Okay, here's the interesting bits. Uh, 1.8 billion in revenue for the quarter. Um, for the quarter? For the quarter. So round up to two, so about eight billion ish in revenue is right. annualized. Um, eight hundred in net income off that off that one point eight billion in revenue. So and, like two point four billion dollars annualized in profit. Right, and uh, and then yeah, so basically Coinbase goes it lists publicly today. It wasn't a it wasn't an IPO. It was a direct listing where you basically you know IPO is you create some shares, uh, you you issue new shares to to buyers. A direct listing is. You don't issue new shares. It's just people who have shares can get, you know, like basically sell some of their, their shares. So uh, they, they listed, they had about 114 million shares for sale. And uh, it's up about 40% on day one. So the, the implied market cap as of right now is about $110 billion. So what I wanted to know was, um, there's this kind of uh, phrase in, in the startup investing world, which is like, anytime there's a gold rush, like some new frontier, new space, it can be hard to like pick the winner. It can be hard to like, you know, just grab your shovel, dig, and find the gold. And there's a thousand people looking for gold and you don't know where to dig. It might be this one, might be that lot, that, that land, land you, you, know, you don't know exactly where the gold is. So the foolproof strategy in any gold rush is what they call the picks and shovel strategy, meaning you, you sell the shovels to people who are going to go mine the gold. And so Coinbase is kind of a classic picks and shovels thing in the crypto market. So you, you could buy Bitcoin, you could buy Ethereum, you could buy, one of, you could buy Litecoin or Dogecoin or one of the thousand altcoins that exist. And you're betting, okay, maybe one of these will become like the digital currency, yeah. um, or you can buy a Coinbase, an exchange that's going to ex- trade a bulk, you know, a bulk number of these coins. And so I wanted to know once Coinbase got up to where it was like a hundred billion dollar valuation, I had the question of what would have been a better investment, Coinbase at its seed round or Bitcoin that same day? If you could, should you have bought the currency or should you have invested in the company? And um, the reason I thought this was interesting is I remember. 2013, I was, I just kind of heard about crypto from a guy in my office, like our Pete, our, our IT guy was like, dude, Bitcoin is the shit. It's at $7. Now it's at $11. I was like, I don't know what that means. And he was like, yeah, fuck fiat currency. And I was like, fiat, I, that was a car. I didn't even know that's a currency at the time. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and he was like mining Bitcoin using our servers at the office. And he's like, <laughs> oh, we, we mined two Bitcoin today. And I was like, okay, good for you, Pete. Like, what does that do? I, you know, I was kind of like, you know, mocking it, but I was curious also. So I started going and listening to some talks. And uh, and so one of the things I was looking at was like, are, are smart VCs, are people smarter than me investing in this space? And what I remember happening was I listened to this talk and it was Andreessen Horowitz, it was Mark Andreessen, uh, who now blocks me on Twitter. Um, he was talking at a thing, he was talking about how crypto is going to be great, how it's how Bitcoin is going to, you know, is, is such a interesting technology, how um, blockchains might change everything. And then the interviewer was like, so how many investments, how much money have you put into this? You're, you're kind of hyping it up. Like, how much money have you invested? And like, we haven't invested in any crypto companies yet. Uh, this was like, I think 2012, 20, I think it was 2012. And he goes, right now, we're just owning the currency. We're just buying Bitcoin. And I was like, what? That's so weird. These guys, like, they're, they're a VC fund. They bet on companies. There's a few companies out there. Like, I found it to be super strange. He goes, right now, the bet, we don't know which of these companies is going to emerge as the winner. So we're just buying the underlying tech, the underlying currency. We actually think that's the right move right now. And uh, and later, you know, Andreessen Horowitz has actually did invest in Coinbase later, and uh, since invested in many projects. And actually, Andreessen Horowitz changed their whole fund structure from a private, you know, VC fund to like some other kind of like financial investment vehicle. They went and got registered with like the SEC or whatever because they wanted to own crypto assets, and you couldn't do that out of a traditional fund. They couldn't, you couldn't buy currencies out of a traditional fund. The, the paperwork, the docs don't let you. And so, um, so anyways, I went back and looked at the numbers. So Coinbase announced a seed round September 2012. Um, I don't know. They probably raised it a little bit before that, and then they announced it. They raised $600,000 from investors, including a crowdfunding campaign, which I, which I found interesting because I, you uh, I sh- don't like them. I shit on crowdfunding all the time as like, me too. It's always the, the bottom of the barrel, but this was through Funders Club, 
Funders Club had put in like $285,000 through its crowdfunding into that, that what? round. And so anyways... What is... is and Funders Club is just a startup? Like Funders it's a Club startup itself well? was a, is a YC startup. And then Coinbase was a YC startup. And so Funders Club took a, took a share, uh, wow. or like did a, did a crowdfunding campaign for, for that. Uh, if I read this correctly, I, I could be wrong in this part. But anyways, I went and asked one of the, the seed investors. So somebody who... Uh, uh, a friend uh, who invested in the seed round of Coinbase. I said, what was the valuation back then? He said it was 15 cents a share. So 15 cents a share there. And he said the A round was only 20 cents a share. So it wasn't even that much more. Um, uh, so, so something like that. So, so 15 cents a share. And um, now it tra- it's trading right now, like right before this podcast at $330 a share or whatever. And so you got this, uh, you know, 2000 X markup, I think 2200 X markup. And um, so you invested $100,000 in the, in the seed round of Coinbase. That's worth $220 million on this day today because it goes it goes public. Now, if you had invested in Bitcoin, same time, Bitcoin at, at, in that same month was trading at $12 a coin. Now it's at $62,000 a coin. So your same 100K instead, you know, would have been worth $500 million. So still, Bitcoin was the better investment, even though this was like, a, you know, you invest in a startup that became a $110 billion company, still Bitcoin outperformed, but uh, it's closer than I would have thought because Coinbase has really gone up in value in the last two years. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's give some more numbers. Um, I think right before we started, the valuation was $80 But a few hours ago, it was $100 billion. We're going to use $100 because that math is a little easier. Brian Armstrong is the CEO. He's 38 years old. He owns, I think, 20% of the company, uh, which means uh, at $100 billion, his net worth is $20 billion, which right. puts him, I think, like in the top 50 richest people in the world at 38. Uh, the company Coinbase, I, let's see, it started when? 12. So it's uh, nine years old. Uh, so basically became... <laughs> The from zero to richest uh, top fifty richest people in the world in only ten uh, ish years nine years and also he owns twenty percent of Coinbase. Who knows how much Bitcoin I don't? He owns. I, I certainly <laughs> don't know. But you have to ask how much Bitcoin does this uh, does this person own? If you told me that it was another twenty billion, I don't think I would be surprised at all. Do you, would you be surprised? I'd if be surprised. Owned- Twenty billion is a lot. That that is that is a that is a very very large amount. So I don't think it would be quite so high, but I wouldn't be surprised if if it was over a billion dollars. I, I think twenty billion would be twenty billion would be like he'd be one of the the top three. I think Bitcoin whales. I think at twenty billion or something like that. You know? Okay. Okay. So, so, so well, I think, let, I think let, that'd be let, way too much. Would you think? I I I don't. I didn't do the math ahead of time, but. Would you think he would be a top fifty Bitcoin holder? That seems reasonable, right? It's plausible, yeah. So, so I don't know. We, you know, he. I don't think he's ever said or disclosed. You know, if he if he was buying the underlying coins. So the biggest thing is, did you hold right? Because Bitcoin on this run up, right? So from when, you know, if if he's doing Coinbase, Bitcoin's at ten dollars a coin, right? That becomes your kind of like frame of reference. Bitcoin today is trading at sixty three thousand dollars. Sixty three thousand dollars from twelve is such a like mind boggling like change. And so when I was talking to the, the my friend who was an investor in Coinbase, I said, I was like, wow, did that did that mean does that mean that Coinbase outperformed Bitcoin? He goes, no, I think Bitcoin still wins. He goes, but name one person who held all their Bitcoin from 2012 to 2021. He's like, me, <laughs> Sam's right. Well, I guess like of people who owned a lot of it at that time. No, right? I didn't. I didn't own a lot. I owned. I bought hundreds of dollars worth, but right. no, not a lot. <laughs> so let's say you owned a lot, you know, as that nest egg becomes 10 million, 20 million, $100 million, no. you're going to like, a lot of people would would liquidate some of it. And so he was saying, you know, all of us at Coinbase, we really couldn't sell this whole way. And he goes, the illiquidity was a feature, not a bug. Like, it, 
the fact that we couldn't sell this whole time for Coinbase was the best money making strategy for us to like not be able to be liquid until now. I didn't sell, but my numbers were like tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. It certainly was not right. a million or tens of millions. But uh, I, I didn't sell because I actually forgot my password. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I just don't want to log in. It's too hard. <laughs> and so I didn't log in. Have you still, but, you have it now or no? I, yeah, I have it now. Like I had, I had a, I just never did like a forgot your password thing in my email because I was like, ah, too much work. Maybe I, it's a sign. I'm just not going to sell. Right. Um, and so I didn't sell. But can what do you have in front of you? Are you looking at something? I'm looking at this tweet you put in of Daniel yeah, so Gross. I want to bring I want to bring this up. Yeah. So um, the numbers here is fascinating, but I actually don't think that's the really fascinating part. What's the fascinating part is the psychology behind this because today it's Coinbase, and 20 years it's going to be something else. Uh, 50 years ago, it was real estate or something. 100 years ago, it was oil. There's always something. Yeah. And the psychology behind the human being, I think, is far more interesting. And by the way, will... he was an engineer at Airbnb before he left to go start Coinbase. His Airbnb shares from Air, you know would have done amazingly as well, right? Like, Well, he only worked at Airbnb, I think, for a year. And before that, he worked at Deloitte. So I'm almost positive. Granted, he was probably a genius, probably like, you know, crazy <laughs> high IQ, but like, normal guy, uh, normal, like a, a normal nine to five. Um, and also, uh, so let's talk about the, let's talk about the personality part here that I love. Um, I like knowing what drives people, what makes them tick. We talk about billionaire of the week and it's not actually about necessarily the money, but what, 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 what do people think who achieve greatness? Right. In this case, it's money, but reality greatness can be a, a variety of things. Um, so Daniel Gross is a guy we had in this podcast. He went, uh, so Hacker News, if you guys don't know what Hacker News is, you should read it every single day. It's basically uh, Reddit, but only for nerds. I love it. I read it every day. It's uh, tech folks. Um, and anyway, um, Brian Armstrong has a handle on Tech News or on Hacker News, and you could read his old posts. And he has this old... And Daniel Gross uh, tweeted out some of this guy's old posts. His handle uh, is... I uh, actually don't know what his handle is, but well, it's sorry, it's B. Armstrong. Yeah. And so... B. Armstrong actually had a blog. Listen to his blog. And this is actually kind of funny. It's called startbreakingfree.com, which is <laughs> which is kind of on, right. on brand consistently. And actually, if you go to startbreakingfree.com, it's controlled by a virus. So it like they it automatically wants you to install a it's controlled plugin. by a virus. What's or you know mean? what I mean? Like go are you like it's like I, a, like if I go a, to it right now, it's gonna try to install like you know security software that actually yeah. is gonna steal all my money. Yeah, just steal all my Bitcoin. Yeah, it's gonna well, it's gonna say like you won. You, you know, you're the lucky winner. Uh, like somehow he let the domain expire or something like that, and uh, someone got a hold of it. So now it's just a scam, which is kind of funny. Uh, that the guy who's supposed to be like Mr. Security, his web, his domain expired and uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But anyway, you can see his post history and he was launching a lot of stuff. He launched this one thing and it says, hey, Hacker News, I just built a new forum software. Hey, Hacker News, I just built a new photo sharing website. Right. So the guy was really prolific and it's really interesting to see his posts. Yeah, he was definitely like trying, uh, like what Daniel t tweeted out was, I, you know, I look back at Brian's Hacker News submissions before he started Coinbase. You can see what you see is a story of a hacker working on different projects, slowly zeroing in on his launch coordinates, uh, right? Because he's, he's consistently shipping stuff. They're not all like, you know, some of them have like one upvote, seven upvotes, 32 comments, right? Like they're not like taking off. So you see a guy taking a bunch of swings. And as his swings, you can see it was, you know, like, Something about maps, something about could, you know, how would you start your own country? Something about like, could you build an entire web app in one language? And then it's like Bitcoin Android release, um, you know, like how Airbnb does X. And then it's about, you know, like how to build your own forum, uh, Bitcoin iPhone app. And, you know, just like sort of finding, finding like the thing that is his thing. And this is, this is the truth for everybody, right? Like, you know, people joke about, Sam's, uh, you know, Sam's footlong wieners or whatever your hot dog stand. Yeah. Uh, you know, my sushi restaurant. It's like, if you dig back into people's first projects, um, you're always going to find interesting things like Mark Zuckerberg first project that, uh, I've heard him talk about. Have you heard this? The dentist office thing? No, he set up an internal, like just net, uh, internet network for his dad's dental office. So it was like a messaging, like the secretary in the front desk could message him and his office, uh, you know, in the back. So he just like kind of set up the internet inside their office and let them message each other. Then he built well, Wirehog, and, you know. 
I mean, Wirehog, I think, was really successful, by the way, well, for like a it, 17-year-old kid. It, for, yeah, exactly. For a 17-year-old kid, it was, it was more successful. And there's chat transcripts of when he, after he like leaves to go work on Facebook, he moves, you know, in the social network, like they, they moved to Palo Alto. It's like, this is it. Facebook's going to be the thing. There's chat transcripts of him talking at that time, like, you know, He's Facebook's like, we should cool, bail and, like, and, and do like, Wirehog. Yeah, like, I think Wirehog's the thing. Um, <laughs> you know, like, so even them, it's not obvious at that time. And whereas people try to project that these guys are visionaries, they are, you know, visionary geniuses who never had a doubt in their mind, and then they saw the future, and then they built it. And it's like, well, Well, I actually maybe. think that a, a couple of those things are true. They could be visionary geniuses, or rather, they could be geniuses, but that's actually not a prerequisite, but it does help. But they definitely had doubt, regardless of how confident someone is. It doesn't right. matter if you're Conor McGregor and you're going in a fight. You always have doubt, no matter what. Um, and second, um, they probably didn't have a vision until it started getting a little bit of traction. Right. And um, I, I go back through, there's, these, there's this uh, interview on YouTube of Mark uh, doing, he, there's like some college news station that's interviewing him. Some guy, some guy, some guy has like a college podcast. And he invites Mark Zuckerberg on because he's got the college social network. That's kind of like taking off on a handful of colleges. I think they're on like, I don't know, five or, or 10 campuses at the time. And he's like, you know, so what, what is this going to be? You're going to go out to more colleges and then what? Like high schools and then, you know, non-college students. And Mark Zuckerberg sitting there in his like basketball shorts um, with a red solo cup in his hand. And he's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it has to do that. Like, why can't this just be like the cool thing for colleges? Like once you take it out of the college thing, then you let everybody in. It's like less cool. Like maybe this is just cool. And like now he's literally putting fucking satellites into the sky to give people in India the internet so that they can use Facebook. Like, you know, so his, the his aspirations changed. The takeaway here, and I actually just went back to my high school the other day to like give like a talk. And I was like, dude, doesn't you everything look small when you walk in high school? Yeah. And you meet a 16 year old <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, like I felt I was mature. Right. I felt I knew what I was doing. You're a child. Yeah, I could beat you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, dude, I'm 30. And I thought that we were more similar, but we're not. <laughs> we're not at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're not like, <laughs> why are these chairs like so you're... low to the ground? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything is so small and like water fountains are disgusting. I can't believe I used to drink from that. <laughs> anyway, um, I was like, you guys just do shit take swings, tinker on stuff. First of all, a lot of stuff that starts out cool, it actually looked really dumb early on. But even if it stays dumb, just get into the habit of taking swings right. and making stuff. Because uh, like, I'm not like uber successful, but my first shit was like a poison ivy business. It was a, a poison hot ivy dog. business? What is that? My first stuff was like stupid and like it led to this thing and this thing and like hopefully the thing that i'm doing now is actually going to lead to something even bigger and i also did a ton of research and i found out that there is this poison ivy treatment called xanfel z-a-n-f-e-l i think xanfel and basically i did more, a ton of research and i found out the guy who started it used to work at a cleaning supplies company and i was like oh that's interesting. What is going on here? Like, that's kind of weird that I just saw that connection and I did research and I found out that basically what he did was he took this thing called, I think it was called Mean Green and it was really good at washing um, oil off mechanics hands and it costs like $5 for a gallon. It was dirt cheap. But he found out that uh, the way poison ivy works is if if uh, leaf gets on you or if it leaf gets on you, it gets this oil on you and you right. have to use this oil stuff uh, this oil remover. I've to, done it. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing with yeah. poison oak or whatever. Yeah, yeah, same thing. And I was like, oh, so I'm just going to bulk buy this mean green crap and repackage Rebranded. it <laughs> and sell it for $40 as opposed to, I sold it for like $40 for like some, like a, like a Carmex size or like a, you know, like a, like a chapstick size thing when it costs like $40 for like literally an industrial size barrel. And I just <laughs> repackage it and I was making thousands of dollars a month. And then I quit doing it because I was like, I don't want to do this. Anyway, it was kind of a cool thing, but I shut it down because I was like, all right, this is making money, but like, I don't want to do this. I'm not proud of this. This isn't like anything I, I like to talk to, tell people I'm doing. It's kind right. of lame, even though it was making like five grand a month, shut it down. And um, the point is the thing that we're doing now, I have a feeling it's going to lead to something even bigger. Yeah. And uh, in, in Coinbase's regard, Everything was much bigger and in a much shorter time frame, but uh, it doesn't matter. It, it's the, the exercise, I think, is still true. That's great. Uh, you know, those guys who came and set up uh, my studio here, they just released a vlog on his channel. This guy, Henry, 
I forgot his last name, Henry Bladcaster or something like that. I don't know what it is, but basically, I don't know how you'll find him. Henry uh, on YouTube, he did this thing. He put out a video yesterday being like, oh, the advice that I got from Sean Puri. And I was like, okay, well, I'm, a, I'm one of his like, I don't know, 100 subscribers. Like, I'll click this. This is about me. So I will go ahead and watch this video. And his, his videos are actually super well made. He's like, a, like yeah. very Casey like Neistat-ish. Like, mini Casey Neistat, yeah. Yeah, uh, which just shows how hard it is to win on YouTube. Like his quality is really high, but like no one gives a shit because it's just YouTube. There's a billion things on there. And hey, so, as we said, just give it some time and just keep trying right. my hit. So, so the advice, and I was like, I'm curious what the advice was because they came over and they were like doing all the work and I'm just sort of standing in the garage with like a cup of coffee, just like, you know, just sort of like trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. not helpful, but I was like trying to talk to them and I was like, and they're like, you know, hammering things. And I'm just like asking him questions and giving him some kind of like, well, here's how I would do it if I was you guys. Because I really resonate with anybody who's like, if you're like 22, 23, and then you, you're smart, but you chose not to go the traditional path. And like that feels right. But then you also just get these like hunger pangs of like doubt when it's like, shit, yeah. my friends actually have a salary. Wait, like I'm sleeping in a like, you know, four of us are sleeping in this one bedroom apartment. And um and so I started, like, I really, like, empathize with that because that's where I was. And, uh, like, I just want to tell them what I, what I would tell myself, which is, like, dude, you're doing the right thing. Here's how you need to think about this, though. Don't, like, don't worry. Uh, you know, here's how, here's how this is going to play out. And what I told them was, like, look, honestly, the best times of my life were three of us living in a, you know, one-bedroom apartment. My, my co-founder and my roommate lived in my closet because he couldn't even afford our dirt cheap rent. So Trevor lived in my closet and like turned my living closet into like a, a room for himself with a lava lamp and shit. And then uh, like his girlfriend moved in with him in the closet too. Oh and, my you know, God. And so then uh, and I was like, you know, he had a grocery cart because there's no, he didn't have a closet because he was living in a closet. So he stole a shopping cart, rolled it into his closet and used that as like his hamper, his closet for himself. <laughs> and I just remember like, like at the time, everything seemed so shitty. It was like, oh, this is the shitty version of life. And now I'm like, no, that was the, that was the most fun time because all we were doing every day was just trying to figure shit out, trying new different schemes and projects. We had no responsibilities, no burn. And then we were just like party for fun, like on the side. And so I, I just remember thinking like now that I look back, I'm like, that was the shit. And that's what I was trying to tell him. I was like, first of all, guys, this is the best. So like, <laughs> uh, like embrace this part. You're never going to get to have this again with your friends like you have right now. It's, it's so fun. Embrace these five years. I said, the second thing is like, I used to chase money a lot. Like, oh, how do I make money? Maybe this will make us money. Maybe this will make some money. And that was good because I like learned skills about how to make money. But the things that actually paid off, none of those really paid off with a big dollar amount. The things that paid off were like the people I was meeting and like doing projects with or learning from, like those relationships pay off big in the end. Um, you know, the, the learning of like building skills around like, I did my first e-com project like you, I was selling these wristbands called fatbands.com and it was fat just bands. a fat band, fast fat wristband that i like noticed that a bunch of kids were wearing on on campus i thought oh wait maybe that's a trend let me try to sell those online you can customize them and so um those skills translated but the the business did not and so what i told him the, the advice that he put in the video um that i didn't even realize i said was like you're 23 years old now like Here's the trick to this whole thing. You're doing the right thing. Every day, you're just making stuff. You're trying stuff. You're making content. You're having a blast with your buddies. We're going to measure the scoreboard when you're 30, not when you're 24. And it's like, that was the game changer, like kind of like advice I wish I had and that I gave them. And maybe 35 or 40. <laughs> right. Like, but basically, it's like, don't, like you're planting seeds. Don't go dig up that seed the next day and be like, shit, this didn't yeah. grow into a plant. Like, no, plant that seed, water it, enjoy it. And just say, look, I'm not trying to win the whole game in one year, in uh, a year and a half. And like, if my, my if my friends who went and took this banking job or consulting job are are doing better than me in, in 18 months, like I don't need to That's feel cool. like I made a bad choice. Like I'm making the right choice and for me, and it's gonna pay, like let's look at this as a 10 year game, and we can only measure the score that like the fourth quarter is 10 years from now. So that's the only time you can look at the scoreboard really. And the seeds that you're planting, at least in my experience, and I think in a lot of my friends' experience, and it also seems like you for sure, uh, is it's shit, it's shit, it's shit, it's shit. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, it works. Right, it hits, yeah. <laughs> like, so it, like, it's shit for the most of the time. And then finally it's like, oh, okay, now it's right. all happening. Your learning goes in this like gradual curve. 
Like it, your learning does go up every year where you're like, oh man, last year I was such a dummy. I didn't know shit about shit. And now I know better how I would do this. And then the same thing happens the next year and the next year and the next year. But your results can kind of stay flatlined for like a decade almost, for like seven years before it actually, you know, stops being a flat line and just like curves up rapidly. So I wanted to continue talking about this, but I'm actually going to save my stuff that I have these notes here. I'm going to save that for the next time because I don't want this episode to be entirely this stuff. Although, frankly, I love this stuff. Abreu, do you like this or not? Yeah, man, I'm just soaking it all in. Okay. Um, I like this stuff, but Sean, do you want to move on or do you want to do the other thing? Do you want to do micro acquire or do you want to keep talking about this? Uh, I don't want to keep talking about this. I want to do either some micro acquire or some ideas. I want to do micro acquire. And this is an idea, actually. But uh, we at the hustle, we worked with this guy and I never talked to him because um, I wasn't the one working on the project. But anyway, I just started hanging out with him recently. This guy named Andrew, uh, people call him Gaz, but his last name is like Gaznati or something. Do you know Andrew? Gaz Decky or something. Yeah. Gaz Decky. Uh, I think they just call him Gaz. Uh, do you know Andrew or do you know who he is? I, I did the like the mini spec with him. So that's the only way I know him, just through DMs. I never talked to him. Uh, so never, never and- met him. Andrew is 32, I think. Um, he previously had a company that I think was an agency, and he told me that he sold it for like tens of millions of dollars. So it was very, very successful. But his new thing is incredibly interesting. It's called MicroAcquire. I think it's just microacquire.com. That's right. And the premise is very simple. Uh, he finds people that want to that wants to sell their their company, and he just talks about it in a newsletter. It's basically like AppSumo or like the Hustle, but uh, a newsletter that just sends out cool companies. Except what he does is he makes you pay money to be access to to get access to it. You only have to pay two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars though, and you get a year's access. And his numbers are pretty interesting. And keep in mind, Andrew's actually the only employee, so right. no one works there. Um, and so as of today, he's got. 1,500 subscribers paying $299 a year. And that brings his revenue to about $400,000 a year. And I posted a chart of this. Do you see the chart I posted? Uh, No, I'm on his Twitter because I was looking for that because I know he posts... Oh, here it is. Yeah. No, I have the chart. So I posted it. Um, And I'll... he just sent this to me. So I guess, I mean, I said, can I share it? He, he builds uh, it in public. So he, he, he announces the revenue publicly as part of his like way of getting more traffic. So he's so, at 425 ARR. And look at the chart. Yeah. That's oh. a pretty amazing chart. Um, really we'll see all what of ha- the growth happened like in November, December, January, February, like it just lasts like four or five months. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting. And I actually shared with you, if you scroll down a little bit more, I shared with you his, his vision, but what this guy is building, uh, I mean, this is his vision. We'll see if he can pull it off, um, is a, a different type of angel list. So basically he wants to disrupt investment banking and he wants to make it easier to buy and sell companies. And it's incredibly fascinating. So he wants, or sorry, not well, disrupt AngelList, but kind of be like AngelList. I feel like we didn't of, describe what it is. So and oh, what it is, go ahead, yeah. you go on there if you want to buy a small SaaS business. So a small business that makes recurring revenue through subscription. And, um, and so that's the, that's the, that's the thing I browse. And the size are. It ranges. So it, it could, you could buy one for $5,000. That's making a hundred dollars a month of revenue or something like that, or $0 revenue, but it has users. So you could buy it for as low as like a thousand or $5,000. You could buy a business and as high as there's a couple for like single digit millions of dollars on, on there. Maybe there's a few that are outliers, but that's like, I would say the sweet spot, the range for these things are kind of like hundreds of thousands of dollars is like where the you know, decent businesses are on this platform. And this is the thing where I talked about this once on the pod, but he had DM'd us and he was like, hey, like, love my first million. You guys are great. Would, you know, would you guys want to do something with me where I like give away a $5,000 micro SaaS business? And I was like, dude, that's a great idea. I'll like go in with you and like, I'll pump this to the audience. And so basically I tweeted out, like, I didn't even talk to him. I didn't actually even respond to his DM. I just tweeted out, Hey, me and Andrew are giving away a SaaS business for $5,000. Like who wants it? Oh, you know, all the business is there. We'll buy it and give it to you. It's like, these are businesses that are already working to some extent. You know, uh, it's like, we just need to add some hustle. Who's a hustler who wants this business? And what ended up happening was a bunch of other people started chiming in being like, I'm in for 5k. I'll put 5k in. And so we ended up raising $100,000 as a micro spec, meaning a blank check company. So we raised $100,000 into an entity to go and use that entity to go buy a business off of micro micro acquire. And then as of last week, it closed. So we found an entrepreneur, found a business, and we closed that deal um, to buy a Shopify app. That's amazing. And 
that that's pretty wild. Uh, I'll be eager to see what happens, and I'm sure you'll reveal it in like six or twelve months. Yeah. Um, my opinion around micro acquire is, at worst, it's going to be okay. Right. At best, it could be amazing. I don't know what it's gonna what's gonna happen to it. What do you think? It's a really fascinating business, and right. I the 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 thing is now I'm actually shocked he's letting me talk about it because I feel like I can clone this so quickly. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah it's a lot of work like i saw this guy doing the the one deal we did and it was just like fuck ton of work to just like you know shepherd everything to make it happen do the paperwork get it the yes deal to close. but that's not the work for micro acquire well well All they, they have to help you do the transaction so so th- that's their that's their function um it's what's good is that they don't make money on the like transaction closing they make money on you paying a premium subscription like i pay a monthly fee to be able to browse businesses which is a much better model because you're not just reliant on taking a brokerage fee of closed M&A because there's just not a lot of closed M&A that happens. But there are a lot of people who are curious and will pay the you know 100 bucks or whatever it is, 200 bucks to be able to like browse the premium listings and get the get the details, get the info. And so what I would do if I was Andrew is I would decrease the price to $99 a year because that not or even $39 a year because that would make it an impulse buy and I would get loads of people then I would do this company selling. Then I would have a course that costs two thousand to five thousand dollars, and it would include, and include a community, and it was all focused on buying, buying and selling yeah, companies, buying and growing businesses. And I'm pretty, you. I'm pretty confident that you could get that to around thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year in business. I don't know if that would be a valuable company to um, sell, but I'm pretty sure that you could make ten to twenty million dollars a year in profit for at least a handful right. of years. I think it's That's what good. I, would do. I think it's needed. So I think it's smart that he specializes in SaaS. I think that it's smart that he's a curated marketplace versus um, like Flippa or these different places where you're just like so much fucking junk. You don't know what to, there's no trust. So I think he's doing it right that he's bringing trust to these kind of like l- lower trust like marketplaces. So I, I'm with you. I really like the project and I'm with you that the minimum is a good outcome. The maximum yeah. is like, Oh wow, this was a big idea hidden in plain sight. And um I I think it's interesting. I think it's more likely going to just be the good outcome, but I like that it has the, you know, the option to do both and it seems like a fun a fun kind of well, business to build if you're this guy. I think he wants it to be the okay outcome, which is he owns it and he lives a really good lifestyle. Right. And uh which by the way, I think like I would probably do the same as well. Yeah. Um so anyway, that's a cool company I wanted to bring up. What do you got? Uh I got a couple. Okay, so I'll go for um, we talked about this before, but I'm curious what you think. So, um, photo P, uh, we talked about this many, many months ago, but you know, we were much smaller than people. Those people are probably not even listening anymore. So we'll just pretend it's the first time. So there's this thing called photo P and all it is, is it's Photoshop, but it's free and it's in the browser. You don't have to download anything. And the guy who makes it, I don't know much about him. He posts on Reddit or, you know, he, he has posts on Reddit. It's a pretty big thread. I think you yeah. know a little more about them than I do, kind of like the backstory, but it's a free version of Photoshop that has cloned every feature of Photoshop pretty much. It's like, uh. it's the exact UI of Photoshop, which is crazy because Photoshop is such a complicated piece of software to build. And this guy just chipped away, just chipped away, just kept chipping away and basically built Photo P and P as in uh, like the, the vegetable, like P-E-A. And so uh, photop.com, you go there and it's just like, one banner ad, that's like how he makes his money, I think. And I think it does a million dollars a year now because so many people use this goddamn thing, like students and like people who don't want to spend, Photoshop's really expensive. People who don't want to buy Photoshop can use Photop and get like 80 to 90% of the same power without any of the cost and without any of the headache of downloading a big ass one gigabyte application. What a... Oh my God, I'm on it. So we, do, I know this person. Is that what you're saying? Lo- I, I remember the first time we brought it up, you had already heard about it because I was like, dude, this, I have a really obscure thing. And then you're like, Mr. Obscure. So you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this on Reddit uh, at the time. And so I remember being like shocked that you knew about this thing because I thought oh, I had just discovered sick. like an un- so, uncovered gem, you know? Yes, I see it. It's from November, 2018. Uh, a guy, yes, because it, ha- it got 50,000 upvotes and it, right. he started it by saying, I made a free alternative to Photoshop. Yes. Ask me anything. And that's how he got promotion for it. Right. Yeah, I like this. Um, so and you think he's making a million dollars a year doing this? Yeah. So I, I don't I don't know why Ben told me this. Ben gave me this topic and he was like, Photopi, you know, he's like, you know, Photopi? I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, it's been a million dollars a year. So if I'm wrong, Ben's wrong. I didn't look well, it up myself. 
But um, um, by the way, I got access to similar web. I've got a premium account now, so oh, I can actually. Bro, you got the goods. <laughs> yeah, I uh, someone who works at HubSpot. Uh, I'll, I don't know if I can blow up their. Anyway, I, I got similar web. <laughs> dude, I'm the same way. Where at, yeah. at Twitch, I was like, oh, dude, you got a premium app any account? That's like a couple thousand bucks a year to see app download <laughs> stuff. Like share the login, and they're like, you know, we're like a company. You just buy a seat, and it's just the company pays for the seat. It's, like, if you if you think you would use this, just buy it. I'm like, oh, but they're like, I felt like such a pirate. Like I had to like hide. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, I wouldn't bootleg that. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> that I'm still trying to like be a little bit less hood rat, Sam, and more like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's like this is ROI positive. Just buy it. Right, right. Uh, it's actually like very so much looked down upon to be that way. Like I was negotiating with somebody, and they're like, wait, well, why are you trying to like? why are you trying to like save us all this money negotiating with this vendor? Like just pay the thing and do it up front. And, like, and you're oh. like, but this goes against like everything in my jeans. I <laughs> right. can't not do it. I like, was like, what yeah, do you I mean? booked him a hotel, but it's in the motel six. <laughs> <laughs> like I saved us a $200. <laughs> I always used to tell people, yeah, like I'll, we'll take care of your accommodation. And it was, they would actually be sleeping right. in my stay at my aunt's house. <laughs> And I would actually go, I would stay at my girlfriend's house and they would get my bedroom. I did that all the time. I'd be like, yeah, we'll take care of your accommodation. Uh, come speak at Hustle God. Uh, they just slept at my house. Uh, so, so according to similar web, PhotoP gets 8.5 million uh, monthly uniques. They spend a ton of time on the website and most all the traffic is direct. So I, if you told me they, this made a million dollars, I would think, are you sure it's not a million dollars a month? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I got I to gotta check. I don't think it's a month. I think that would be pretty, pretty crazy. I think, I think a year because, you know, he's only he's not monetizing well, right? He's just got display ads. So, he's, you know, he's got the bottom of the barrel monetization, I think, on the, on the site. Yeah, you could probably crush this, though. Um, speaking so, of just so, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, OK, to. So what? So I think the so what here is a photo piece, cool and interesting and like just a cool thing to know about. But B, like. Couldn't you do this for more things? Like, first of all, take the whole Adobe suite and do the photo P for After Effects, do the photo P for Illustrator, photo P for, for the whole suite, right? Like anything that has over X million users, um, you could do this for. What else? Like maybe it's like AutoCAD. Like, I don't know if that's free or if you pay for it or whatever. You know, like uh, I forgot, like uh, what's that thing called? MathLab, MATLAB or something like that. It's a thing that all the engineers have to use. Um, like is MATLAB paid? Is, you know, Great. Can you, can you do this? I, and I think a version of this is uh, called OBS. So have you ever used OBS? No, what's that? OBS is an open source uh, piece of software that's basically the most popular thing for every Twitch streamer or YouTuber. So it's the easiest way to like stream from a PC, high quality video and audio to Twitch to whatever. So for years, Twitch, actually just up till recently, Twitch didn't have any way. If you went to Twitch, you're like, great, I want to be a streamer. They're like, cool, go, go use OBS. Like, what the hell is OBS? Twitch doesn't have a button just saying go live. And uh, same thing with YouTube. You go live on YouTube. Nope, can't just go live on YouTube with, uh, without like using more sophisticated software. And so uh, OBS is actually an open source project maintained by a small community developer. But really, it's just one guy, Jim. And I met this guy and Jim's like, you know, I don't know, five foot seven and like long hair down to his kind of waist. And he looked like an open source, you know, like, app developer and he's like extremely high ethics and morals where he's just like the app is 100 free he's been working on it for a decade and it's supported by donations of people who are like dude i i run my whole business off obs like sure here's ten dollars you know and um and twitch so, twitch look, actually was I, paying him every month uh just to keep maintaining obs because it was like cheaper to just pay jim I don't know, X thousands of dollars a month than to like have 20 engineers try to recreate this thing. I think that that is cool. I think that like when I hear that, I'm like, that's badass. Like, I love that. that, that I love that that exists. Right. But what was my what was my thing earlier? I'm like cornrows and sleeve tattoos. I, that I respect it. And I think that's badass. I me. just don't want it. It yeah. ain't for me. I'm not wearing it. Uh, <laughs> and that's the that's my case with this, which is I'm so happy that that exists. I ain't doing it. Because there's a bunch of examples of this. So another example is Spiceworks. Spiceworks.com. They were doing like 50, 60, 70 million dollars a year in revenue, and they ended up selling in because they raised too much money and it didn't work out. But they had traction. And basically what what Spikes or Spiceworks did was they created uh, software. So if you're like if you have like um um 
a thousand employees and you wanted to figure out which computers you you needed to buy, they created software to help you figure that out, which normally costs money. And they actually made money through advertising on the website. In my opinion, that's like neat, but just charge people money for your thing. Because <laughs> I, I'd like, would you rather be Photopea or Adobe? Uh, yeah, I know of which course. one. Of course, of course, I know which one I'd rather be. So I think it's cool to actually do that free stuff just to get a ton of users. But after a while, like if I was Photopea, I would be like, well, if I just I should just hire more engineers and we should just make some premium features and upcharge, and that is what I would do. Right. I would not do this. Well, uh, there, there's another way of looking at it, which is sometimes like free doesn't mean no ambition. So for example, Skype was like, hey, free international, you know, like calling. And uh, WhatsApp, same thing. Why did WhatsApp take off? Because SMS was actually really expensive. You had to pay for every text, especially international texting. It was super expensive. So WhatsApp free was the, was the growth hack. And for these guys, I would say free is also the growth hack. But you know, if you're if you want to just be one person maintaining this thing and like whatever, like you're where you do it matters. So Photoshop is still at least big, but nowhere near as big as texting and calling was. Right? That was like such a huge market. And then the second thing is like. If you're going to do free, find some other way to capture a ton of value. So uh, Skype and WhatsApp were able to capture a bunch of value using a totally different method. Whereas Photopea is just like, cool, here's a here's one banner ad, um, you know, and that's enough for me. Or OBS is like, hey, donate to me, and that's it. Whereas OBS could have like created, you know, either premium features or sold to Twitch or you know, could have done many things to try to capture more value out of the free thing that they made. Do you know the website Unsplash? So Unsplash is an alternative to Getty's Images. So Getty's Images, uh, everyone has probably heard that word. Not a lot of people probably use it. We used it. We paid them 50 grand a year and we were a small client. Getty Images, they pay photographers. They buy rights. Why were you of, paying so much? Because like when there's once, cheaper or freer options for photo libraries. Getty's is the best. Um, so a lot of free or cheap ones, they don't actually have images of, of the people. So for example, if you want to write about Elon Musk, a lot of the free ones don't have good pictures of Elon Musk. Second, once you get to the size that we were, like we like, which is not that big, once you get past like 500,000 monthly uniques, you probably want to stop doing things illegally when it comes to photos right. because there's all these it's people that... Yeah, and which is like A... It's the right thing to do, yeah. right? You you are using other people's stuff, so you shouldn't do it. It's it's okay to kind of bootleg it early on, but after a while, you should pay for it. Uh, and we were a small person. We are, and we paid, I think, fifty. I forget, tens of thousands of dollars. And anyway, there was this competitor called Unsplash. I think Unsplash is dope. I think they're badass. They are just acquired acquired recently. Uh, I got a little information where I like I found I heard a little bit about what they were doing. They were only doing around. Four ish million dollars, five million dollars a year in revenue, even though like hundreds of millions of their images were being downloaded. Right. And I was actually shocked at how small they were. Um, if I had that much traction, A, I would have been far more aggressive about selling ads on the site, and B, far more aggressive about getting subscriptions and charging a lot of money for them because this website, Unsplash, which from the outside appeared to be doing wildly well. And I imagine they actually were acquired for a lot of money because if a proper person could get their hands on that, they could crush it, I would think. But um, if if you have that much usage like Unsplash did, it, Unsplash wasn't ubiquitous, but it was quite popular. You can make way more money by charging money up front for all that stuff. When Unsplash giving away their stuff for free, I think they were only doing like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 a month in revenue. Right, right, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good example of one. I had one other topic I wanted to do. Um, okay. Which one's more interesting to you? Is it the affirm for X or is it game film for salespeople? I'll let you pick from those two categories. Uh, affirm. Okay. And I have a, sh I have a take on there that you're not going to like. Oh, okay. Good, good. All right. So, uh, if you don't know what Affirm is, Affirm was a company started by, um, Max Levchin, I think. Uh, am I mixing this up? Yeah. It, it, no, it is you're this right. Thing, right. All right. So Max Levchin, yeah. the co-founder of PayPal, uh, a firm went public. I think this year or last year. It's uh, about seventeen, eighteen billion dollar company right now. And what a firm does is, when you're on an e-commerce site, you're going and you're buying a mattress online. You go to Casper's website, and it'll be like, oh wow, this mattress is twelve hundred dollars, and it'll say, or or for you know. 96 easy payments of, of $8, you can own this mattress, right? So it's basically a pay-as-you-go software that lets e-commerce stores sell more stuff because 
if people don't have the full amount or don't or you know they're hesitant to spend a large amount of money right now, you can offer them pay as you go plans with a zero effort, and then they take a cut. So you know, uh, you know, on on our e-commerce store, we offer we use one called Sezzle, and Sezzle will uh, basically say. Great, you could buy this thing for you know four payments or eight payments of ten dollars instead of paying the full amount right now, and um, and then they take seven percent and then they send us the rest of the money, and so it is kind of a no brainer as a retailer because it just it really does improve conversion, and for us customers were asking for it because they were used to buying it and it's a it's it's publicly traded company now it does really well, and so and there's several of these so there's Afterpay in Australia which is even bigger Afterpay is a thirty four billion dollar company which is kind of interesting because. Normally, Australian companies are much, much smaller. Uh, Klarna is like big in Europe, I think, for this. I think Klarna is even bigger it's than bigger. all of them. Exactly. So Klarna is probably the biggest one. And, um, and so there's a, kind of this war going on. They're all trying to like, um, like I think a firm partnered with Shopify. So it's like built into Shopify now. Uh, that's a big move. But basically, okay, pay as you go. Interesting space. Uh, kind of was one of the big ideas that just came out in the last like 10 years and is a good example of, once it started working in the US, it was not hard for people to just say, be like, cool, we're going to do, we're going to do a firm for Australia. We're going to do a firm for the UK. We're going to do a firm for India, whatever. Right. So I think generically that was a good business idea. What I thought was interesting is what else could you use it for? So I heard of one company in this, uh, this year's YC batch that was doing pay as you go. How did you get access to that? Bro, big time investors like us, that's what we get access to. Uh, actually, YC still has not accepted me into the investor pool, even though I've invested in probably like 10 YC companies at this point. Um, you know, so, but, but, uh, but I have a friend who gave access, so, so that's no problem. Um, so anyways, one of the companies, uh, what they do is they're a firm for general contractors. So another high ticket item, you're getting you know, your garage redone or whatever, bathroom remodeled, or you're building out you know, a, a multifamily apartment complex or whatever. Um, they're giving the general, co- they, what they did is they went to the general contractor, just like the, that's their version of the e-commerce store. And they say, Got Hey, it. instead of charging your client 12 grand for this, you can just offer them pay as you go. And it helps your clients pay you money. And, um, you get a higher collection rate, you know, have less, less kind of late payments and defaults, um, and higher conversion rate because people can afford you this way. You, it makes you more affordable. And uh, they were doing all right. They had you know decent revenue, and uh, you know it was early still. But I thought, oh, this is interesting. Are people going to do pay as you go in more, more industries, more more sectors, and what else might there okay, be? Okay, but so I'll pause here's there. my t- here's my take. Klarna, Afterpay, and Affirm. I like the people who start them. I think they're horrible companies for the world. I think that they you, they should burn it down completely and not exist. I think that why because it's getting people in debt. It's getting people in debt. It's making you buy stupid shit that you can't afford. So where, like, where's a firm? Like, if you go to like Fashion Nova, like people who can't afford, who people who want to do a firm for a twenty nine dollar pair of pants, I'm like, don't buy those fucking pants. Don't (laughs) use a firm. Don't buy any of this. You don't need this bullshit. Don't buy it. Do not buy it. Run. And also, if you're gonna have to buy it, don't go in debt to buy it. I think this is horrible. And I'm actually shocked that a guy like Max Livchin, who I think is a cool dude, he started PayPal, he started all this stuff, it's badass. The guy seems like a nerd. I love nerds. What are you doing? This is useless. You're just you know, doing you know dumb how this shit. started, how he got the idea. Tell me. He was um so this is the version of the story I know. I'm gonna be, you know, somebody who was there probably knows a lot more details, but what I'd heard was there was an engineer who had, uh, so he had this lab, like I had Monkey Inferno, he had a lab called HVF, Hard Valuable Fun. And basically it was an incubator where he said, I'm going to do any project that satisfies those three criteria. It's got to be hard, it's got to be valuable, it's got to be fun. And so, uh, and then they kind of like didn't have, um, like I think they've, they've had, you know, a few nice companies, Glow came out of it, it's a fertility tracker, and then Affirm was the big one. And Max like went all in and he became the CEO of Affirm and all that stuff to, to take it forward. But the origin story from what I heard was, there's an engineer who had come up with like a new uh, like database technology or database technique. He's like, oh, look at this. He's like, basically, he's like nerding out. He's like, look at this. We could do like so much computation in so little time and like with this new technique. And I was like, okay, but what are you going to use that for? It's just kind of like blockchain. It's like, great, you have blockchain. But like, why do we need a blockchain? What are we going to use it for? Does it really make this better? And like, there's, you needed to find an application. So the way that blockchain found money, currency as, as the core killer app, uh, what he, what Max realized was he came into the, this guy was an EIR for him. So for months he was just like working on this, like 
databasing technology and how he was going to use it. Couldn't, couldn't really figure out an application. And then one day Max walks in and he goes, dude, like credit scoring and credit reporting is so like ancient. We should be able to like, if you're a person today, I should be able to take signals from the internet, social, social networking data, uh, publicly available data on the internet to do instant credit uh, worthiness versus like the way that this works today with this kind of like, you go get a credit score and it's based off of like, you know, stuff in the, in the past. So his, his insight was there has to be a better way to determine the credit, credit worthiness of a person. And he's like, your databasing technology is actually perfect for doing that on the fly and doing that at scale. And so they came together and he's like, great, I'm going to like basically create this application to do this. And I think at first they didn't want to do, I don't think the initial, very initial idea was what they ended up doing, which was like pay as you go on e-commerce websites. But pretty quickly they realized that's the use case. That's the market that needs this the most is basically instead of, um, like, I guess my question to you would be, do you also feel the, do you also use a visa and MasterCard? Like, because it's just credit cards. That's all this is. It's just credit. Um, so do you also hate credit cards the same way you hate pay as you go? You want to know what's funny is, uh, my credit, my personal credit card limit is $4,000. Um, <laughs> so I've got a, I've, I've never had any debt other. I just got do, a more. Are you one of those people that uses debit cards instead of credit? I do it. Because lately, someone has advised me to do it. But for a long time, no. But I'm not against credit. Uh, and I realize that what I'm saying is not entirely logical. It's definitely emotionally driven. And you're saying... And, and I'm not like going this hardcore libertarian route, yeah. which is like, well, I'm like against the government. Therefore, all government is bad. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to draw... So what I'm doing right now is basically I'm drawing the line, right. which I get. Uh, it's just, that's, that's not always the best. But I think that credit cards, in some cases, are good. And affirm in most cases are bad. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> okay, I think that's you know that's what because that's... the people like do you know do, do you have any uh, do you know like in Europe like our friend Ramon and a lot of my other uh, friends from Europe they were like you know credit cards we don't use credit cards like right. in in, in, in Germany Americans. yeah like in in a lot of places in Europe if you want to like, use also a credit... we use bidets proper clean <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, whenever people were flipping out over COVID and toilet paper, I'm like, dude, take a shower. Like, <laughs> why the fuck are you flipping out over this? Why are you fighting over this? Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> You're going to shower every time you shit? <laughs> How Just inconvenient. go twice a day. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, the inconvenience is not bad enough that I'm going to fight over that. <laughs> That's uh, fine. That's fair. That's what I'm saying. You're not going to, like, stab someone in, like, No, I'm Home not going to go to jail over this. Like, I'll just take a shower. Uh or I'll just be uncomfortable. Anyway, um, I just think like credit cards aren't that common in Europe. Uh, it's definitely an American thing. Uh, but long story short, I am not in favor of a firm. Uh, I think that that is a stupid thing to spend his life working on. That's my opinion. <laughs> I would love for him if I, we could goad him or bait him into coming on here and, and convincing me of otherwise because I, I'm open-minded. But I think it's dumb. I think it's stupid. For general contractors, that's a little bit different. But for buying like a $29 pair of pants, like don't fucking buy the pants. Well, I, uh, my family member trains his daughter in jujitsu. And so maybe, maybe we could use the, the daughter jujitsu connection to get Max on the pod, uh, very soon. Um, Am I wrong though? Do you agree or disagree? I, I disagree. I disagree completely. I think credit is a great thing. It helps the economy move. I, I'm always a kind of don't hate the player, hate the game type of situation where I put the burden on the individual in the same way that I wasn't like, oh my God jewel or like you know like is you know is is gray goose evil because it's alcohol and alcohol causes problems no like i don't think so i think it i i basically for myself i live my life where i never blame a company for tricking me into like doing something i blame myself if i don't have the self-control and the like thought process to, to do it and so that's how I, I look at others too i will never blame a credit card company for um for somebody getting in debt now what i do say is if you're not transparent about what the fees are, what the charges are, what the rates are, then that's shady, right? You're withholding information. You're not disclosing. You're hiding the fees. But um, but in this case, they don't charge people more uh, for you know uh, for buying. A lot of the times, it's zero percent interest actually because they they can offer the customers zero percent interest because they take seven percent from the merchant for helping them close the sale. And so it's actually an interesting model compared That's to. That's interesting. I didn't know. I didn't know the full. It depends story. on the credit so, worthiness. If the like when I, um, I I bought a eight sleep mattress using a firm, 
And I was like, because I was like, oh, do I want to spend like two grand right now? Oh, I'll try this affirm thing. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I can just pay in payments and it's 0% interest. Because I had like well, a high I tried score. doing it. I also have a eight sleep. I tried doing it with there, and I actually was going to have to pay like a pretty hefty fee. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> because you don't that. use credit I'm, cards. You don't have high credit. <laughs> something like uh, for some reason I don't have a good credit. My credit score is is not bad anymore, but it was bad uh, because I didn't have history. Anyway, well, uh, I have yeah. one one last idea on this, which is um, I think this is the same thing as like you probably know what layaway is. I don't even really fully understand what layaway is. Layaway sounded like a total scam to me. It's silly. It's silly. Basically, like what it is is if you want to buy a five hundred dollar thing, you would go each week and you would give them a little bit of money and it would start paying down your balance, and then eventually you'd get the item. Right, after but, you but it's crazy because it. you don't it, like with a firm, you get the item first and then you pay later. Buy now, pay later. Right. That's the that's well. The, you have to remember there's a the one big thing which is like is that. If, if, if it's going to take you three months to purchase and you can't, if you don't have the internet to buy stuff, like you want to guarantee that they're going to, like that's yours. Right. And I guess for me, it's like our items really out of stock, but apparently there's a huge thing like Walmart, like in most parts of the country, layaway is like a huge part of their business. Um, and it's a, it's a, it seems like a pretty predatory thing in a way, but I, I don't know too much about it. So I shouldn't really speak on it. But um, anyways, I guess my, my point is why aren't people doing a firm for retail stores? So why isn't this the same option every time I check out, uh, you know, my wife goes and shops at, I don't know, wherever, you know, Nordstrom, like when she checks out, they're like, oh, you know, do you want to open a Nordstrom card or whatever? Why isn't it, hey, um, you want to pay the full amount today or would you like to pay in installments? And you can pay in installments. Now, maybe this is already the case. I don't know. But like, it seems like something that should be built into the point of sale at retail stores. I don't do a ton of retail like, shopping. So yeah. this might be me being dumb and it actually is totally a thing. Does Affirm plug in to Shopify? Yes. And do a lot of people use Shopify to, but like Norsham doesn't really. use it, but like a, a coffee shop might. Yeah, or, not really. They're trying to do more of that. Square is definitely trying to do a lot of like retail plus online, blah, blah, like, you know, brick and mortar and online. Um, so maybe Square does it, but, uh, but I think a lot of retailers just have their old school POS still. This is like one of those rare topics that you're bringing up. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, how yeah. do people buy stuff at stores? I've done it. Yeah, I mean, same. I don't we do should it. just smoothly exit this, exit this topic before we, uh, yeah. before we try, try too hard. Yeah. We got to find the emergency exit on this one. <laughs> uh, okay, I think uh, we should wrap it up. That's a good, good episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. Uh, I put my all in it like no days off On the road, let's travel, never looking back oh, yeah.